So every winter I go and spend one week in Florida uh, just to get a little hit of sunshine. Um, and the odd part is there's a bunch of retired priests that go to Florida. In fact, like every retired priest in Minnesota goes to Florida. You cannot swing a dead cat without hitting a retired Minnesota priest. Um, and like, to be honest, my opinion, uh, the sweetest priests in the United States, they're really all from Minnesota. Uh, they're really, really great guys. Um, and so like a bunch of us were gonna go out for lunch at this pier we'd never gone to before. Um, beautiful, sunny, sunny day right there on a pier right over the ocean with the beach and sailboats. It was absolutely amazing. Um, beautiful. Uh, and then, this is kind of rare, I don't know why this pelican flew in. And the pelican, like, is, if our table here, there's this kind of structure there. The pelican sat there and watched us. Like, holy cow, do you know how rare it is to have a pelican join you for lunch? Um, <laughs> And then there's this group of Canadians at the table next to us, and they were funny and in a good mood, and we were joking back and forth. Do you know how rare it is to find Canadians who are nice? Um, and then this other little family came into the table next to us, and the family, they had, holy cow, they had five kids, three boys, little kids. And so, you know me, I'm a little cynical. I was like, oh, there goes the fun. Um, but holy cow, these kids were so well-behaved. Like I was like, if you go out to a restaurant and your kids behave, that's amazing. So I went over and I said, you guys, the parents, you guys deserve to be complimented. Your kids are very well-behaved. And when I was complimenting the parents, the youngest boy was looking over the back of the chair at me. And I don't know if you noticed, but I have this huge wrinkle um, from doing too much math. Um, and so he's looking at me, I'm talking. And then he says, he says, is that a scar? <laughs> so I said, no, Lord Voldemort marked me as his equal. Um, but like, it was just a beautiful, joyous day. And like with all these people, there's a sense of unity and fun, except one of the retired priests, I don't know why, he really is a great guy. Holy cow, everything he was complaining about. Uh, he was complaining about the sun. He was complaining about the pelican. We could catch something. He was complaining that there's too much talking. Um, and at one point, and you know I'm the patron saint of patience. Um, <laughs> at one point, I kind of lost it, and I said, shut up! I am tired of you kvetching about everything. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you are not allowed to complain one more time, or I will get angry. I'm gonna kick you out. I didn't come here to have you whine and complain about everything. And luckily, like, what he needed was a swift kick. Um, and his attitude turned around. So, but the odd part is, and this is gonna be the point of my story, it doesn't matter what's out there. It could be absolutely wonderful. It matters what's in here. For some reason, he was angry and bitter, and it doesn't matter how beautiful and joyous the day is. He will find something to kvetch about. 
What matters is inside here. Um, that's what we need to work on. Or another story, kind of making the same point. Somebody mentioned this um, well, a while ago, a little last week, um, about how awful COVID was for religion. And I had to disagree because one of the high points of my priesthood, and it sounds strange, was COVID. In my former parish, yeah, we had this lockdown. Um, people couldn't, you know, come inside. So what we did is that we put pictures on all the pews of parishioners. Um, so when we televised mass, you could see, you know, pictures on the pews. And then we had actual mass outside. We had this big parking lot. We got an AM projector. So you could show up, sit in your car, turn on the radio. Eucharistic ministers would come to the car, but everything would be masked. People would come with their lawn chairs and sleeping blankets. We had an altar outside, um, like uh, votive candles, Mary and Joseph statues. Uh, we had Christmas outdoors. It was something the kids remember. Um, and it was joyous. And we made it so because um, we called it the St. Jolly Project, that during a time of global pandemic and death, we're gonna enjoy community. And we made it happen. We leaned into it. Our parish, we made sure we called every parishioner uh, a couple times during COVID. It sounds strange. It was a great time. Once again, it doesn't matter how awful things are out there. It matters what's in here. Even in a global pandemic, a church can bloom. We can feel incredible joy and love. One more story. You know how I love near-death experiences? Um, so this guy tells this story where, you know, like thousands of others, he dies, he goes through the tunnel, on the other side of the tunnel, a bright light, light of the world, um, and it's so beautiful. And he says, you know, on the other side, the light speaks to you at the speed of light, and you can talk to the light, but whatever you think, it just, it, yeah, telepathic. And it's so beautiful. He says to the light, oh, I wish I would have seen the light before this. And the light answers back, oh, the light was there. The light has always been there. You ignored me. And he admits it's true. Now, anyhow, he gets sent back and he said, yeah, during his life, he just ignored the light. The light is always shining in the darkness. It's only a matter whether we choose in here to see the light. Otherwise, you're like the grumpy old priest who decided it doesn't matter how beautiful things are. I'm just going to kvetch and complain. It sounds kind of strange. You know way that retired priest, even though he really is a great guy, um, needed a swift kick? In Advent, maybe we need a swift kick. There is a lot of darkness in the world. I'm not stupid. I know that. But the light doesn't stop shining. It's only a question whether we have chosen to see the light in the darkness. And during Advent, we play as Catholics with this theme of light and darkness. Um, yes, there's darkness in the world, and so we light a candle. We train our, uh, ourselves to see the light. So all the themes are really about, do you see the light? Uh, and so during Advent, Advent is a time that we train ourselves to see the light in the darkness. We want to be aware or watch, if you notice the constant 
word in the scriptures this morning. We want to watch for the divide. The light is shining. We just want to see the coming of the light. And so you have Jesus say, stay awake. Stay awake. It, it means don't sleep through life. Like the near-death person, and the light was always shining. He was just distracted with other things. Um, this is a time to discover that the light of God is always shining among us. So in Advent, we train ourselves to be this awakened church that we're ready to welcome Christ. Um, the light of Christ is here. It's just whether you can see it coming. Um, we want to see it. So like if in the parable of the gospel, Jesus said, we're supposed to be like doormen waiting for the master's return. We're at the door ready to greet the Christ whenever he comes. Or the first reading. The first reading, the prophet is talking and the, the prophet admits, you know, the world is falling apart. Has been for thousands of years. The world is falling apart and the prophet pleads to God, make it obvious where you are, God. Rip open the heavens. Shake the earth. Make us see where you are. And it's this plead, God, reveal yourself. And what I don't like is that the verses after that is God's reply, where God says, I have made it obvious. You're not paying attention. That's why Advent, it's about really paying attention, becoming awake to where the light is, or the gospel. The gospel, the setting of the gospel is Jesus is going through the temple with apostles. And the temple, the, think about this, temple was much bigger than the pyramids, much more grand than the pyramids, huge. Um, and they're walking around and Jesus mentions that um, the temple will soon be destroyed, not one stone standing on another. And they're shocked by this. That at the day of the Lord, everything will pass away. Um, and they're shocked and worried, so they're kind of caught in this fear and worry. And the contrast is, or the opposite, is Jesus doesn't understand why they're worried about that. Jesus is worried that they'll spend their life half asleep, not recognizing the Christ among them. God has a much different worry than we do. So even like to me, I really dislike the evangelicals who love to talk about the rapture, which by the way, is not in scripture. It's something totally made up just to get people worried and afraid about everything. And the problem is if you're all angry and worried about the rapture, you know what you're not paying attention to? The light that's right here. So during Advent, um, like the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is not a day of hopelessness. It's a day of the Lord is the fulfillment of all our hopes. As long as you train yourself to see the light, that's what we're supposed to do. So um, Advent is a time, this sounds kind of strange, where we become awake. Well, the question is, well, how do you become awake? Because Jesus says, what you must do is pray. What is that? Um, so Jesus doesn't say, oh, you know, be ready by memorizing scripture. They had the scriptures memorized. He says, pray. But what works? And so I want to offer you this. Um, 500 years ago, there was a saint, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who he wanted to know, like, what is the most effective way to make people become holy? So he 
starts to do research and asks people, what works for you? What works? What works? And he comes up with these five steps called the examine. And what I want to offer is like, I want you to do this during Advent. And the examine is basically, how do you become a mystic? Because all of us are supposed to become mystics. See the light shining in the darkness. And his five steps are this. One, pray for the light. So for like, for myself, I always do the hours, the breviary. I start with that. Then you do this meditation on your life. You end every day with examine. And you do this meditation of naming three things that happened that day that you're grateful for. And I say a glory be to each one. And I replay it in my head. Um, three things to be grateful for. Then two things, or at least for me, at least two things, that I regret that I could have done better. And I say an act of contrition for each. And then the third, no, sorry, fourth step is um, where was a fingerprint of God in your day? What was an aha moment that day? And they're happening. If you pay attention, just name one and say a glory be. And then the third, fourth, sorry, fifth step is um, you end with hope. That you're gonna look for tomorrow with more hope. And Ignatius, um, he really believed this would turn you into a mystic. And I want you to try it. And positive psychology studied like gratitude exercises, they do make people more happy. Or this sounds positive psychology. Learning to look at your life with regret does not create depression. It creates wisdom. Learn from your mistakes. Become better and better and better. Find the presence of God in your daily life. And so St. Ignatius, he didn't want people to look for Christ, like look for God in the far distant future. He wanted people to find God in the small, tiny little events of their life so that we truly are awake to the presence of God. So it really does matter how you see the world. It doesn't matter, like the light could be shining, but for some reason you've fallen asleep. You've fallen asleep because you're spending your time in selfishness or anger or worry or I'm so worried about the Kardashians. The one thing you're missing is the light that's always shining. And so like, there's this really, I love this. There's this um, uh, class, this professor who is trying to describe this. So. He has the people, I don't know if you've seen this, where he has the people listen to this crowd chanting and the crowd chants, um, that is embarrassing. So he said, listen four times and tell me what you hear. And oh, did you guys see it? Is that where you, oh, isn't that amazing? Oh, it, it is amazing, right? So like I, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And what I hear the crowd chanting is, that is embarrassing. That is embarrassing. And then he says, now I'm going to show you the words on the screen of what they're saying. And it's something completely different. Like one of them is Bart Simpson is bouncing. Um, like all four were different. And he says, you know, it doesn't matter what your senses pick up. It matters what your head wants to hear. So even though like, oh yeah, that, I got it completely wrong. If you want to find something to be angry about, the world is a dark place. You'll find something to be angry or selfish or worried about. But with the real words, 
is a light shining in the darkness. Either you're paying attention to it or you become distracted by, excuse my language, bologna sandwiches. Um, you're not really paying attention. So Advent is our time to become awake. We don't want to be like the grumpy priest who, my gosh, you're in paradise. Everything's perfect. But all you want to do is find something to complain about. We want to be like, like the near-death person who, when he came back, saw the light everywhere. So I beg you, try the examine just for Advent. And hopefully by the time Christmas comes, we can truly celebrate that we find Christ here among us. And Catholics have this tradition in Advent to bless the Advent wreath that we're a people in dark times who see the light. So please stand and let us bless our Advent wreath. Father all-powerful, Lord of light, bless our Advent wreath. May the increasing light of these candles brighten the minds of hearts, our minds and hearts, to be steadfast in faith, joyful in hope, untiring in love, so that we are ready to receive the true light, Jesus Christ, coming in the world, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.